Hey guys, I'm Alex and this is still Lunchbox Radio, but I didn't really have a great idea for an episode this week and also I wanted to apologize for not recording a Sunday edition. Last week I will be recording a Sunday edition this week, so that is coming back as per normal. But I wanted to share an episode of um, my other podcast, um, the podcast that my friend Lauren runs and I help her with it is called the uncanny courage cast you can check it out um every week it comes out because i'm the person who does all the audio engineering the same day that this one does right around the same time um because i can just like click click through a bunch of boxes and like set 10 o'clock at set 10 or 9 o'clock at night for both of them and just be done with it but this episode is all about the new film adaptation of Dune that either premiered for you in theaters or on HBO Max. So if you've seen the movie, definitely go check it out. If you want to see the movie before watching it, I highly suggest it. But on that note, here is our conversation about Dune. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Uncanny Curves podcast. I am Lauren. With me today is Alex, as always. Hello. All that right. Supposed, that was supposed to be a spooky hello. <laughs> yes, uh, we are recording this on the spookiest of days, full of, of spooks, uh, Halloween. But this is not a Halloween episode because we don't think ahead. <laughs> we record ahead, but we in no way think ahead ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking ahead, if we're going to do a Christmas episode, we should probably do that like next week. Because <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I agree. We should probably do that. This way, when it gets to be like three days before Christmas and we're recording an episode, we're not like, oh, right, this should be a Christmas episode. <laughs> To be clear, we pulled a major audible, which you'll find out about in five seconds, or already know about based on the title of this episode, like today, when Lauren was like, hey, we should make this about this. I'm like, I was thinking that we should totally do that. But Lauren, what's this episode about? Um, So this episode, this is now a Dune podcast. The X-Men are out forever. Um, And we're just going to talk about Dune for the rest of my life because I have become that person. And I am, I am totally okay with my new role. Okay. okay. <laughs> so you're the Dune friend now? I'm honestly yes. stunned that I am not the Dune friend. I'm like the Cyberpunk 2077 friend. And it, we can both annoy Larry together. Um, actually, Larry is not quite as into Dune as I am because I am currently now reading the books. He has not and probably will not read the books. Oh, he might one day, you know, when his life stops shitting on him constantly. But <laughs> I do not know that for sure. I'm so sorry, Larry, if you're out there. I miss you and I wish you well. Yeah. Yes. Um, but so have you, 
I know you're like two, you said you were two thirds of the way through the book, but did you watch the movie yet? The new movie? The new movie. Yes. Okay. Yes, I saw it opening weekend. Okay. Which I guess I, was only last week. But. I like watched it in my fancy theater because I have a fancy theater. I went to the fancy theater and drank a raspberry lime rum milkshake and ate queso cheese fries. How did you not just spend the entire next day in the bathroom? Because that sounds like that would do what that would do to me. I mean, I had heartburn, but that's if I look at food, I get heartburn. So, you know, it's whatever. Oh, yeah, that is a thing with you. Like, you have negative effects to 99% of food. So it's just like, how good will it taste before the problems start? Yeah. But yeah, no, I was totally fine. Okay. <laughs> totally fine by your standards. It's just heartburn. Yeah. But I now, heart- side note to heartburn, the following week, or I guess this past, this past week, today is Sunday, this past yeah. Wednesday, um, I went and saw a very strange but was not strange enough film called Delta Space Mission and I ate pizza and the pizza was a little spicy and I ate it too fast and I also like kind of half chugged a hard cider I did not feel good after that I wanted to throw <laughs> up three quarters of the way through that film um was there anything on the pizza? Um, it had pepperoni, olives, mushrooms, okay, onions. The, okay, the, the, like this. I was like standard pizza fare. If it was, if it was a cheese pizza and it tasted spicy, I would have said, if I bite into a slice of cheese pizza and I get heat, that's not like temperature heat, but like spice heat. I'm never going near that pizza again. <laughs> yeah, the the I think the sauce that they use is just like a little spicy. Because and this is it true. was good. It just I wanted to vomit, <laughs> but that was my own. One of the only times spots. I've experienced one of one of I want to say the two, possibly three. There's ones that probably up in the air somewhere. Times when I've experienced actual food poisoning. One was from a dirty glass where I like touched the glass. I'm like, this is a dirty glass. I'm about to make a life choice. Gulp, gulp. <laughs> and that's how Alex crapped his pants on the way home. <laughs> um, but I was on an NJ transit train of like a dude crapping his pants from food poisoning is way down on the totem pole from the mode of public transportation in which conductors regularly step on dime bags for coke. And look at the businessman and go, you can either have this Coke back and get a free and get a free ride but from the next station to jail. Or you can go back to your seat. <laughs> um but the, I think the first time I was food poisoned was by a pissed off waiter who key point was not pissed off at me, was pissed off at my camp counselor because he had been there like a week before and treated him like shit. So he poisoned our pizza, leading to a bunch of 15-year-olds in a cabin in the woods doing the bathroom round robin for an entire night, just screaming at our council, like, why do you have to be an asshole to serve her? Uh, but yeah, I, 
I just hear certain combinations of food and I'm just like, like, what, what if people think they get stomach aches? This is insane. Like famously, I had a girlfriend who ate in succession vanilla ice cream and sausage and wondered why she had a stomach ache. I was like, buddy, you, you're creating a front to God in your esophagus. I can't help you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm saving going to the theater for um, the Eternals because I want to go see ripped. I want to go see what's his face just absolutely ripped his shit on the big screen because I think it'll be hilarious. Kamel Nanjani. Um, I hope he immediately goes back to eating like trash. Like as soon as this movie is done, he just like loses the abs and the muscle and just goes back to being just like a soft boy. Um, okay. But I'm sure they have him on contract for like five years. And he's just got to be like 90% muscle, 0% body fat for like five years. It just seems like it sucks. Um, but yeah, so you read most of Dune. I saw the first part of Dune. So where do you want to start? Huh. I should have thought of that before we started recording. Ooh, fun. Okay. So you saw the movie and you've read you've read at least the first half of the book. What did you I'm asking this for a specific reason? What did you think of the movie versus the book? So Dune as a property, as a story, is like a 12-layer dip. Okay? You're in serious Shrek ogres are like onion territory, and this better make sense. Dune is like an onion. (laughs) (laughs) Much like ogres, they have layers. I was going to say parfait, but a parfait does not have enough layers. You need a lot of layers. The Dune movie that, that just came out in the year of our plague, 2021, is the first layer of that dip. It is the skin of the onion. In order to make the onion palatable (laughs) to mainstream audiences as best they could, they they could not cut into the onion. You you can't penetrate the onion skin. (laughs) I'm just gonna say that listeners can clip out one thing, you can't penetrate the onion and use it however they want. So I, I, as someone who has read, like, who had listened to the first chapter of Dune, like, no more than that, like, I have enough, God knows, I have enough sci-fi, like, shit just banging around in my brain to kind of, like, go down some roads. But what I was very disappointed in the movie at, even after only reading the first like chapter, maybe chapter and a half, is that they took, is that they like needed they needed in that in that movie for there to be a truly bad guy, like a like a piece of shit bad guy, and they made it so, 
Whereas in the book, you get this, um, by the way, spoiler, all up and down this fucking thing. We don't care. Um, in the book, like this, the second scene in the book is a like, quote unquote, evil, what's the name of the empire that attacked? The Harkonnens. The the Harkonnen or Harkonnens. Like, I don't know how to pronounce every, anything correctly. My pronunciations come from um, a YouTuber slash streamer, uh, Danica slash Comic Book Girl nineteen. So I have a tendency to pronounce things like she does, but then I also I'm I'm listening to the book, not actually reading it with my with my eyes. So they also come from the audiobook. Yeah. So I don't know how to fucking pronounce any of this shit. <laughs> FYI. Here's the first thing. I really wanted the Harkonnen, like I really wanted the like the like head of the Harkonnen house to be played by like fucking Rick Ross. Or some like insane badass looking big awesome black dude. Cause that's what he comes off as in the audiobook. Like they sound like people of color. <coughs> no, the Harkonnens, they, well, nobody really has a color. Like, no. Yeah. Frank I, Herbert, which I'm actually pretty, uh, uh, he leaves a lot to interpretation as far as how things look, um, which I'm actually super fine with. Um, because then you can, then like when you make a movie or, you know, you do art, things like that, it's not like, oh, this doesn't match the oh, description. Because that, that there was is a big, no description. Um, that was a big plus for the Hunger Games because if you've ever if you've ever read the Hunger Games, you know that the Hunger Games is a great story. It's written like shit. It's the, it's like the worst writing. It's really hard to get through. It's really hard to get through. And lots of people actually prefer to listen to those books. But that also made it because it was so vague on some level, easier to make into a movie franchise. Because, like, you could just do whatever the fuck you wanted. Like, there were very specific horrors, usually in the parts that were set in the capital. They, like, specific that the um, author specifically, like, focused it on. But other than that, it's a pretty wide-open thing. Um, But, like, yeah, so, like... The Dune book is pretty. It's pretty vague in terms of like, what like you got what's in the box and then not a whole lot else. Like a lot yeah. of it. So like some of the characters have like some descriptions. Like Paul, um, like it does say Paul is is very like slight of build, um, and basically Paul's just a scrawny scrawny boy. <laughs> Um, like a certain, like a certain Sir Timothy Chalamange, maybe. Yes, um, Jessica. Um, it it says she has you know flame and red hair. Um, the Harkonnens are actually all supposed to be gingers. They're all redheads. Okay, but like, I don't. Uh, I'm listening to the version from Audible because that's what I got. Um, yeah, you're probably the same one I have. It, 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 it's all the same audiobooks. It's just audible. Like, would you like to pay a subscription that is way cheaper cheaper than a single audiobook ever in your life? 
because if you've ever tried to buy an audiobook, yo, that shit's like $35 unless you're subscribed to Audible. Um, yeah, I think that's the one I've got. But um, the, the like scene with that made me feel like it would be really cool if it was like a bunch of people of color like sitting around explaining the universe to like a kid. And like, I don't know why my brain went here, but I thought specifically Rick Ross and then like the, the kid who is just fucking big built as shit, brick shit house extraordinary Dave Batista in the movie, which really caught me off guard. Like, I'm like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, so Dave Batista is is Roban. Um, Fade, Fade, F-E-Y-D, Fade, um, is not in the movie. Fade's the general who, like... No, does... Fade is, is the Baron's nephew who he's fucking. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's fucking Fade, um... And he is is grooming Fade in literally every sense of that word um, to be the next Baron. And so, like, they have a scene with Fade where Fade's like, wait, how the fuck does any of this work? Why are we going and we just fucking up these people day? And the Baron's like, look, my hands are tied here. I really wish we didn't have to do this. But when the emperor asked, it's not really an ask. Oh no, the the baron's totally fine with with destroying House Atreides. They've hated each other for generations. Well, they've hated each other, but also like he's like, I would not do it this way. I would not do it now, or maybe necessarily for this reason. But yo, the emperor wants it done, so you know, might as well be now. It it's like. He has an apathy to the whole scenario that's not presented in the film at all, at least in the first part, Um, which (laughs) I want to ask you a question. How did you feel when you saw part one on the screen? Oh, I mean, I knew it was only part one going in. Oh, I didn't. If you want any kind of decent, I mean, as I said, this movie is the onion skin if you tried to fit the whole book in the dam in a one, two hour film, you might as well just throw the onion across the room because it just, just throw the whole thing out. I mean, I'm sure, but I would that's just why like- the, That's why the 84 film is not great in the story aspect because they actually took two books and, and shoved it into an hour and a half movie or two hours. I don't know how long that movie is. I mean, it also it's- in the blue metal thong so that's not that's not a plug material from what I've seen but hey um it's just like they had a moment where they could have stepped aside and they already stepped inside to show you the the Harkonnen and like the like blob man who they had as the Baron um they already did that they could have just done a slightly longer scene of that and it would have been it's like you would have had some semblance of what the fuck's happening and what and like why the tree is rotten all the way the fuck down because they say that 
by the end of the movie. But like you don't realize that unless you've at least started reading the book that like, the emperor like set them up straight up to like get off. Yeah, because uh, too many people, King, not King, um, Duke Leto was basically gaining too much popularity and too much power in the court, essentially. Yeah. Um, all the families, the other houses and other families were like, yo, this Duke Leto guy, he's pretty awesome. And basically he became a threat to the emperor's power. And even though the emperor also loved the Duke and says to his daughter, um, there's a, in, in the books, the beginning of each chapter, um, the princess uh, reads something or tells something, um, depends on the context of the chapter. Yeah. Um, and one of them, she's literally walking through like the portrait hall, hall of portraits or some shit um, with her father. And he stops at Duke Vito's uh, portrait and is telling her like, you know, this, this guy is super awesome. Like I, I wish he would have been my son. Um, so yeah, but he, he, Duke, unfortunately too many people love the Duke. The Duke, the Duke was too cool. House Atreides was too awesome. And the Duke was like, they all got to go. They all got to go. I feel like the more I hear about the Emperor from Dune and the more I read about the Emperor from Dune, the more he's like, the more he's like a Cave Johnson-esque figure from Portal. Like, he's just like, this guy, real nice guy. Too bad he got turned into a lizard person and died. Why do you set up that... Where do we set up that scenario? Science! And walked off. Um, it's just like... So I'm watching, um, I'm watching that Apple TV Plus show, um, the, the morning show, and there's a scene in that show that's like, if everybody got out of their own freedom fighter way everything would just kind of stab over and be fine, but nobody could let it the fuck go. I feel like the Emperor got a real great birthday present from the Duke once, and he's just like, motherfucker, this guy's fantastic. Maybe too fantastic. Well, um, better, better kill the entire house. <laughs> There's no way this isn't genetic. That little scrawny fucker, the, his son, he seems like a great dad. That kid's going to be well-adjusted. Mark my goddamn word. Burn this bitch to the ground. Yeah, but there's also... in the drug fields. <laughs> there's also a second layer where, again, the onion, a second layer where the guild... Um, is the guild mentioned in the movie? I honestly don't remember. Um, oh, that's the secret ladies who pick. Um... No, those are the Benny Gesserit. They are amazing and wonderful in an awful sort of way. They also seem like assholes, all I'm going to say. A little bit. Um, 
they are the mothers of humanity. But unfortunately, sometimes they can't see the trees through the forest. <laughs> and they have made some choices that are not going to be good for humanity. <laughs> I'm just going to say that if you're calling yourselves, like, because they very clearly called themselves the mothers of humanity, then you're like not a whole whole distance away from like being Nazi youth soccer moms in a way that's not great. Well, they don't really call themselves that. Um, but they don't discourage it. Well, that's that's just the role that that they took on. So they don't explain it in the movie, but there's no thinking machines. There's no computers. There's not a lot oh, of, they, of that kind they, of technology. They show the alternative in the movie with the um, one actor. He's a really famous character actor. The guy with the um, black thing on his lip when his eyes go white, he's the human computer. Yeah, he's a mentat, which yeah, they he, never actually say that word. They, they never actually, there's so much stuff that they like get into very early in the book, like chapter one in the book. They give no context to in the movie. So you're just like, the fuck? Yeah. Unless that's... you've read literally the, I'm not kidding, the first chapter of the book. Yeah, so there's there's no computers. Um, I forget what it's called in the book. Something jihad. Something jihad. I don't know. It's never going to come. Um, <laughs> it will never come to my lacking brain. Yeah, um, but basically like 10,000 years previous to the start of Dune, humanity was just like, yo, we got to get rid of all these computers. Fuck these computers. They, they're out. They done. We done. <laughs> Get out of here, technology. <laughs> Somebody ran out of like a state department, like, have you seen this Terminator movie? We gotta burn this shit to the ground. Maybe, maybe. Um, so out of that sort of sprouted these other things. So you have the Mentats who are like logic personified, like they are human computers essentially but they have emotions. So it's, you know, it's not just like a calculator where it's just making numbers. They can, um, you know, extrapolate things from the numbers on a human level. Yeah. Um, and then you have the space guild um, who have a monopoly on space travel. Um, the navigators, which use spice. Um, which is, as far as I can tell, space cocaine. Um, it's actually space oil more than cocaine. It is it is legitimately an allegory for oil. I mean, yeah, but like <laughs> fucking Paul definitely rolled around in a big old desert full of coke and almost gets himself eaten by a sandworm in that movie. <laughs> In that regard, it'd be more like LSD or mushrooms because it's a very psychedelic uh, drug. Yeah, I, let me have my space cocaine. No. <laughs> no I have. I'm going to go start my own dune with space cocaine and hookers. You're not invited. You do that. Um, 
<laughs> so you have the guild with their monopoly on space travel. And then you have the Bene Gesserit, which are sort of like the soft skills of humanity. They're very cloak and dagger. They're very, um, they sort of are, they, they have, they develop the ability to manipulate people um, and all this like super cool shit, which is not portrayed in that movie. And Jessica, blessed, blessed Jessica, who is such a badass in the book. She is honestly right now my favorite literary female character like ever. I mean, she start to get there on the on the big old metal dragonfly in like the last third of that movie when she's like, you're not doing it, kid. You Like, you gotta get deeper with the voice. Yeah, and, like, and, and that scene is so much cooler in the book. Um, oh, I'm sure. Because in the movie, she basically once, you know, um, like the, the same thing happens where they get taken um, actually, originally Jessica is promised to Piter, who is uh, the Baron's mentat, whose name is never actually said in the movie, but he's in there. He's in there. Who the fuck is he? He's literally oh. the dude that's always with the Baron. Oh yeah, that's right. He's the guy like, that's on the Sardaukar like planet. You only ever see him clearly like when the Baron comes out of its like oil bath thing in the very beginning at least that's why i remember seeing him he's in a couple scenes um but they never say his name which is unfortunate and he's piter is very twisted um he's also he seems like a real class a piece of shit honestly he's, he's also like a drug addict um there's several types of of drugs in the dune universe not just spice um and he's on like one of the bad ones. So he's all fucked up. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Like he like he's like maybe my my horn and my drinking are too much for you, Baron. He's like, Yeah, but you're still useful, so I'm gonna keep you alive. Yeah. Um the Baron actually promises Jessica to Piter. So when Jessica gets captured, you have this really <laughs> super creepy scene where um i'm assuming she's not in shapeless pajamas although honestly in the movie i was fine with her pajamas some people are like why is she in pajamas but i'm like at least you know if i was in her situation i'd rather be in pants personally also instead of the middle of the fucking night yeah (laughs) on a desert planet on which the sand makes you trip really hard like you want as much comfort in your sleepwear as possible yeah i was like i mean i'd rather have pay- i don't want to be in some like silky clingy nightgown no give me some goddamn pants uh, also like, especially if i gotta run so i know you accuse me of overthinking constantly and i do overthink Case in point, I'm watching a show called Restaurant to Another World, in which, like, a door to a, like, a, like, just a normal restaurant in 21st century, like, universe shows up at all, all over the fan, all over this one fantasy 
world of like people end up there only they pay in their fantasy currency so what that logically means that the head chef the owner of the restaurant has to be flipping raw metal to make any kind of profit because he's getting whole copper pieces from like the middle ages so i just have this back thing in my head of like so wait does this did this really handsome motherfucker just roll up to like the metal refinery with like all the junkers assholes and just like drop off just like god knows how much fucking copper makes billions every year is that his game here but like as soon as i'm like wait all the sand is spice oh no well no all this all the sand is not spice that's kind of how they portray it in the movie though yeah no there are Oh, there's certain areas where spice is in mixed in the sand. It's not okay. You, you can't uh, just like go outside, pick up a okay, handful that, of sand. That solves a lot of problems. So I'm like, that fucking castle better have a really good air filtration system. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it is in the air. You do breathe I it constantly. Um, no, no. Um, so yeah, so the Benny Gesserit, they they have a lot of like the sort of soft human skills. Um, they're very, you know, they're used as like diplomats and things like that. Um, the Reverend Mother, which is like the Pope, basically in their school society. Um, yeah, the, the Benny Gesserit are super cool. Uh, also slightly horrifying, much like everything in Dune where it's like, oh, that's neat. Ooh, and then it has this like undertone of like, uh, damn it. (laughs) That's not, that's a terrible idea. Um, because they have their- You whipped me right up until the torturing little boy. That, we're going to need to install an HR department in the (laughs) Benny Jesuit, because I don't think we should be giving old lady infant kill needles that are just on a ring. She could just be like, ha-ha! That's part of, like, that's part of their society. Like every Benny Gesserit has to go through the Gomjabar test. That's and if you fail, then you're not worthy to be a Benny Gesserit. Because you have to be in full control of your emotions at all times to be a Benny Gesserit. Yeah, I know. I I know like I get it, but I'm also saying maybe if somebody has a boy, since we've got interdimensional space travel, but we don't have like this pill lets you choose what gender your kid is. Well, see, that's the thing. The Bene Gesserits are typically not supposed to have boys. They are instructed to only have girls. And they have such control over their bodies that they can pick the gender of their baby. I did not know that. Yeah, it's not in the movie. Yeah. So okay. Well, I haven't also, I also haven't read that to that point to yeah the, the big problem with paul and why the reverend mother comes and why she's so pissed at jessica is because she jessica she was not sent there the again it's not explained in the movie but the duke wanted and this is when the duke was was younger um yeah. the duke wanted a benny jesserit companion because they are incredibly handy to have <laughs> essentially um but they but 
That's it's like so. marrying a head of state. It makes it makes sense to me. Yeah. But Leto and Jessica like legitimately fell in love. Like they actually love each other. Um, like their their relationship is real. Um, uh, uh, which is why what? he says in the movie, "I should have married you," because he never marries her. Um, yeah, and that's part of his like political Le- game sort of thing is because Leo- he's always single, and he can use that to his advantage. Yeah. Leo seems like a good dude in just the most uh, fuck, fucked up scenario. He could yeah. like you couldn't have engineered to to be any more specifically fucked up. And you even get that in the movie, like after he's like, you know, like I never accepted this ring from my father. Like I had to find my reason. I trust you will. Like he was like, and and like immediately Paul's like, but what if I don't? He's like, then you'll be the only thing I ever wanted, my son. And you're like, Paul, dad of the year. Yeah. Knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, that that doesn't happen in the book, but I do really love and appreciate that scene. They have other scenes where it's a similar, like, feel. Like, like the Duke loves Jessica. He loves his son. Like, they they have a real family. (laughs) I like <laughs> okay, what's their what's their clan's name? I forget. The Atreides. The, the the Atreides family is very much like when they sh- at least in the I don't think I got to it in the book, but when I got to in the movie, they're like they show up on the like on on Dune, the titular planet, and they're like, "Look, we know people have been assholes to you for literally millennia. We we're, we're not about that. Like, we're, <laughs> you guys are gonna get the fucking vote." We're basically here to mine the place. That's all we really need to do. We will leave you alone otherwise. And like yeah. the like dude who spits. I forget the dude who spits. Still guard. It, it's like uh, like he almost doesn't know how to negotiate. <laughs> Cause he's like, wait, Colonizer says, what? And like Lito just like, no, 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 no. No, this is not a backstabbing scenario. <laughs> I'm straight up like I've got the deed to the planet in the other room. I will give it to you. You can have it. I do not care. Like the big dude on high said, "Go secure the spike. Go be in charge of this." I don't need to do anything else here. Robots do half of this shit. I don't know why the Harkonnen the Harkonnen seem like assholes. They didn't need to be using, like, we've got Roombas to sweep the floor. We've had those since 2020 at least. It's fine. Go go, go on vacation. Just go yeah. roll around in the dunes and get real high. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> the, the house, like, house tradies, they, they are just good people. And it's, you know, partial, like, political, too, you know, oh, yeah, because sure. they want the people on their side, especially, you know, they as soon as as they get there and even before like the main house gets there you know that's why Duncan goes he's instructing like I need you to go find the Fremen like we need to know one how many there are and two we need them on our side because they've lived here for literal ever they've lived here for thousands I don't know thousands of years probably thousands of years like we need them we need to not piss them off (laughs) You know how little I know about them? I don't even know how long they've been there! (laughs) 
And like Duncan, <laughs> Duncan comes back with the most white guy who spent a year on Indian reservation energy. I think who, who's the actor played Duncan? It, Fucking Jason Momoa. Jason oh. Momoa playing Jason Momoa. <laughs> this is true. Jason Momoa playing the role of a lifetime being Jason Momoa from that Super Bowl ad where he takes his body off and is honestly just a dude. But yeah, it's, it's Jason Momoa in his most Jason Momoa that he ever Jason Momoa. Oh yeah, have I mentioned my name is Jason Momoa? I mean, I, I appreciated like the the levity that he brought to his scenes um because it is it 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 is a very heavy a very heavy film and it was it was nice you know when he like you know gets off like the ship and he's like my boy and like just like and then gurney comes up and he's like gurney (laughs) it, it makes everything sort of like more heartbreaking when everything goes to shit because like they were just like a really tight group of people yeah, and, then and I also love that everyone they, dies. <laughs> I, I feel like they specifically said, like, oh, we love you for this part. Just one thing. We need you to look doofier, so you're going to have to shave all of that off. Because your face is built around that beard, but we need you to not have it. Because, like, we need you to look like a white guy in a mid-level office position who's now a fighter pilot. <laughs> Um, which I, I thought Duncan was a... is the master of assassins for the house, but don't quote me on that. I don't really remember would, what Duncan's title is. <laughs> and also, your name is going to be Duncan. And does the name Idaho. Duncan? Your name is going to be Duncan Idaho. Does that sound like a man who believes in his heart he can pull off a beard? No, that's right. Save that shit. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was personally fine with with uh, Momoa's like portrayal of Duncan. I to me, Duncan is not in the book enough for me to really form like a this is how he's supposed to be opinion. Um, but funny enough, Duncan is the only character that is in every book. I mean, that makes sense because he's the only. Does it? Because he got stabbed an awful lot. <laughs> I didn't... I, I have an A... I, once again, working off of, like, a chapter half of the of the first book of this, so... Oh, no, he dies. He He's dead. Okay, but... He, he 100% dies. But... They have to... And this is done in, like, TV shows a lot. And when it's done badly, it's done very badly. Um, they need a way to, like, work levity into this stuff, in the lots of this stuff, because, like, for people like me, who have a tendency not to be able to divorce themselves from what they're watching, especially emotionally, dragging a viewer through a lot of dark shit at once leaves the viewer in a bad place. And so you just want, like, you want at least some levity in there. And since, like you said, Duncan was not in the, is in every book, but he was not in 
the books a lot. Well, I don't know. I can only speak to the first one. But, I mean, he's, like, I know he's a pretty big character in God Emperor. Okay. He's also a clone thing. That's probably the thing. Um, Which but, apparently um, that's just how they bring him back. He's a weird clone thing. Okay, yeah. but like, I haven't gotten there yet, so I, I don't know enough to speak on it. But, but like having a character who you see in every book who can be a constant, but isn't super like expanded upon gives you something to work with of like, okay, he we can give him like one liners like when Paul's like when he's like, Paul, you gained muscle. My boy, like, really? Like, no, no. walked off? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is, like, another great thing. Paul's like, no. aww. Paul's like, aww. Oh, I want Dr. Gant approval. <laughs> um, and that, but, which leads to a, like, actual heartfelt thing where he's like, you look a little taller. And he's like, really? Expecting to be let down? He's like, yeah, really? You earned this one, my boy. And then walked off. And he's like, I have been approved of. Um, yeah, and then it makes, you know, when Duncan dies, when, you know, he shuts the door and then, you know, takes on all the Sardaukar by himself and Paul's like losing his shit, you know, it makes, makes it, it all like, the more heartbreaking. And it, what that does with doing that from the beginning until the end of Duncan's time with us, does is it avoids the problem of Duncan will give you a heartfelt speech about his past and then immediately get fucking yeeted into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like so often the thing that like everybody's like, oh fuck, we forgot we were killing this one. We have to make you care now. Yeah. Um, which is like a really let me put it this way, I guarantee they would not have been able to do that without the book as backing. <laughs> like, they just wouldn't have been able to pull it off and stick the landing. Why do I know that? Because, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about the part one-ness of this all. I also didn't know that they were not guaranteed to make part two or that any of the correct. other parts. What? I said that is correct. I was like, reading a review and it was like, I'm part Two and three have been greenlit. I'm like, excuse you? Oh, there'll be a part three? Interesting. Uh, they say they want to make a part of three part thing. Um, which... I swear to God, if they try to put fucking Messiah into like one movie, and I'm like, can y'all just stop doing that? Like, I understand you want no. to take Paul's story from beginning to end, but fucking stop. Stop. It doesn't work. <laughs> It literally does not work. I can't, I can't Especially help you. when you're only doing the top layer and you have boiled down this story into its literal most simplest form. Hollywood gonna Hollywood and AT&T gonna AT&T. If AT&T, if there's a way to fuck something up, AT&T gonna find it. Apparently the second book, Messiah, is also super depressing. Um so that'll, oh, be fun. that'll be fun. I don't know. I know nothing about the second book. Um, I I don't know why. I just know shit goes real bad for everyone. 
It's all the same content of the second book, with the other, but the next movie also has Jason Momoa just making clicking sounds with his hands and mouth every couple seconds, like, please, please, happy. <laughs> and like rubbing his stubble. But, um, but so the reason why I was surprised about that is because. In the eras of old, when we all thought J.K. Rowling was not a good person, but a person who was an absolute turf piece of shit. Back before we knew, anyway. <laughs> back, before, back before she said it out loud at dinner parties, is what I'm yeah, going to say. Yeah, back before um, Twitter existed. <laughs> and they made the Harry Potter movie, the last Harry Potter, the last two Harry Potter movies, what they did. But they made the whole fucking thing. At once, yeah. And they cut it in half and they said, you get half now and half later. Yeah, well, that's what they did with Lord of the Rings, too. They filmed all the movies And at that's once. what they did with, um, what's it called? That's what they did with uh, the last two Hunger Games. And the yeah. reason you generally do that is because you shoot like 19 hours of fucking footage. No one, I don't care how big a fan you are. I don't care. Even the biggest Snyder fan was like, listen, man, you watch that fucking movie like you watch a TV show an hour at a time. <laughs> Shit is three hours long. It's psychotic. <laughs> if you watch it all at once, by the end, you don't remember anything. <laughs> you essentially memory holds yourself. Um, and what's like just struck me is like, oh, this is AT&T trying to make a franchise because that's the only way, that's the only reason you would have to make the most expensive choice of the way to make these fucking movies, which is make one, release it, wait a year, go back. Hope everybody's at the same way. Don't worry about Timothy Chalamet. You'll have to fatten him up before you put him <laughs> back on screen. <laughs> because he is basically a skeleton man. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I, I just, I'm like, why the fuck didn't you just shoot the whole goddamn thing? And like, only edit the first part of it. Who gives a shit? But like, so you have it and it's like a thing and it's cohesive and like, what happens if a writer dies in the middle of this, you dumbasses? What I'm, no. what I'm saying is, if this is a beautiful thing, I hope the other movies are as beautiful. And that's with the movie's problems that they have presented because fucking nobody likes context in, in films ever. I mean, uh, a lot of people are hoping. I, I have not gotten to this part in the book yet. It's coming up, though, um, where hopefully we'll get to the spice orgy. Now, this is why I'm also going to curse AT&T's name because I can't express to you how she, like, they bought HBO and the entire executive board of HBO simultaneously 
were like, fuck this noise and walked. We're like, I would rather be unemployed and walk. Oh no, I'm what will they do without their like, extra and, $20 million a year that they already have $50 billion in the bank? I'm 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 not I'm not saying that's some great financial tragedy, but like HBO is a network that was like, hey, hey, we'll put luck on our we'll put luck on our thing. And they had to stop running luck. Not because it wasn't good, but because it was so depressing. Like everybody was like, why? Why the fuck? Even Anthony Hopkins, who was in that thing, was like, why the fuck would anyone make something this sad? <laughs> and the HBO was like, whoops, sorry. It's a trial and error process, we promise. Sometimes you get the soprano, sometimes you get luck. We're never sure, so we just green light everything. Wait, what does that have to do with the spice orgy? What? I'll get to this. HBO in that universe said yes to the spice orgy. Because they have no problem with fucking massive sex and drugs and what is essentially the early parts of Game of Thrones. But AT&T... Who knows? Because the other thing is like, this came out on HBO and in theaters. If you've got to put a thing in theaters, you've got to get it rated. If you're going to have a big old drug-fueled orgy, which is what I sound like, which is what that sound like this is. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the context is um, once they finally get to um, whatever like Fremen city thing that they're going to, uh, Jessica has to go through the ritual to become a Fremen reverend mother. And that involves drinking this life water stuff. And basically the life water will kill the shit out of you if you don't like properly transmute it. which she does because she's a fucking main character. Um, they're not, not going to kill her when yet. You have main character Itis. Yeah, yeah. She she has main character armor still. Um, so after she does it and makes it safe, um, because like I said, it'll kill the shit out of you. Like you have to like basically be magic <laughs> and it then will. make it consumable it for the rest of them. Term super kill you yeah so everyone like takes like a sip of the life water and between that and the spice you just trip balls like you just fucking trip balls awesome (laughs) and i'm assuming the effects are something like edging in a way that like you trip balls all the way to like oh yeah i love everyone in this room i guess so what I'm saying is, it's like that scene, it's fine if you're going to put it on fucking HBO, no one cares. People expect there to be nine feet of dick <laughs> in HBO constantly. But if you have to put it out in the theater, it's a different thing. Because like, the difference between drug-fueled orgy and not drug-fueled orgy is 
a rating of like R N C seventeen or of R X or possibly N C seventeen, which is psychotic. Um, and that rating they're, should not exist. This it's a mute it's a moot point. They're not gonna put it in a movie that they're I trying know. to that's that they're I'm trying saying. to fucking make like appeal to mass audiences, like yeah. But like the thing about HBO, HBO would look at that and they're like, and then and before AT and T owned them and was like had this whole theater deal, would be like, watch us do it. <laughs> um, and then it would like get like rave reviews in the Times or something because that's how HBO rolls somehow. Um. But yeah, that makes me sad that I know that now because uh, gotta read the book. I mean, I started reading the book. Gotta read more of the book. <laughs> you know what? Eh. But yeah, I just were you happy with when the movie ended? <clears throat> yeah, that was fine. Actually, ironically, it was uh, the exact same place I am in the book. So I was like, oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Didn't spoil myself. Sweet. Yeah. Bonus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's basically like, so the book is broken up into, did I close it? I did. Hold on. So the book is broken up into like three books. <laughs> That's what okay, yeah. That's yeah. what they're called, at least in the audiobook. You have book one, Dune, book two, uh, Maud Deeb, and then book three, Prophet. Um, and I, when I was saying this to my friend yesterday, it's when you're listening to it, especially because I listen to it while I'm driving. So like, I'm not looking at the phone to be like, what chapter am I on? It just plays. Yeah, it, it all so kind of blends together. It's kind yeah. of hard to like, know like when the book one part ended and I'm like did it end when they like escape into the sandstorm I don't know um but I that is my guess I'm not going back 15 chapters to find out um so yeah so it's just like it anyway the point is it's a very logical place for it to end yeah um because it's just like a good sort of like pause in the story like you know they're they get to the planet everything goes to shit duke leto dies they get you know they're like on the run and then you know they finally find the fremen and then it's like okay this is it's it's a good place to like breathe for a second before it's like okay now let's figure out what the fuck we're gonna do yeah the only thing I will say is like first off I may be a physically soft man but I am not a soft boy in the way Paul is like if I'm putting a knife in like a circled knife fight and somebody's coming for me first thing I think is I need to murder this man <laughs> like I I, you can call me a sociopath. I would be like, well, when in Rome, get to stabbing at the jugular. Um, the movie 
doesn't end with them finding the Fremen. It ends with him murdering a man in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> and then them wrapping his body up like King Tut and like Paul bearing him across the desert. <laughs> to which I'm like, this is weird. This is a weird place to end this movie. But because in, in my brain, I'm like, you could have ended it at finding the Fremen. But you spent like another 20 minutes, mostly because, and I call him Jeff, you wanted to see Jeff the sandworm one more time and explain what a thumper is, which that woman just banging on the goddamn ground, just being like, I am the thumper motherfucker. You're not getting out of this this time. And just well, like- I think it also like created like just a little bit of like another like sort of tension climax sort of thing. Cause like that would have been kind of weird to start the next movie with. Yeah, I mean, you could have, like, invented a way in, into it, but also, I, see, this is where the, you telling me this, the next book is really depressing makes sense, because, I mean, don't get much darker than fucking Paul bearing a body through the goddamn desert with your new friends, one of which made that body, and... That sets up the tone, I think, for the next movie, hopefully. But, you know, who the fuck knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, that's, like, exactly where I am. Um, And I just, like, I've been too busy with work to, like, be able to, like, put it on on the drive home and, like, listen to it. (laughs) Because I'm just, like, (laughs) like, eternally raging about spreadsheets. So (laughs) I'm sorry, that sounds terrible. It is what it is. Um, um, I will say, but, like, in the book, it, I don't want to say the scene is cooler, um, but it's a little more drawn out and it's a little more meaningful, I want to say, um, because it, it happens and you, you see it in the, in the movie too. I think you, I think you glimpse it. Um, it also happens at, at night. Um, so like they're, so Paul and Jessica, you know, are running from the sandworm and they get up into like that rocky craggy thing. Um, and they are, I think they're just trying to like go up it to just kind of like get past the, cause I mean, they're looking for the Fremen and they're just trying to, you know, get somewhere. Um, they, they, they find it's like, okay, sandworms don't follow your footstep when you're on a fucking rock. Yeah, we can move like laterally in a normal human way. I also, I also love that as soon as fucking Paul, fucking who is portrayed largely like to be royal crybaby extraordinaire, tries to do the cool sandworm walk, fucks it up, and just here, Jeff. I call him Jeff. Seriously. Like immediately there. I'm just like, oh man. Well, they're they're fine until they hit the drum sand, which I don't know what the fuck drum sand is, but they're good until they hit that. <laughs> and then yeah, they have to run. I mean, that's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, so like they 
they're in like the little craggy rock place um and it's this big basin that um at least in the book it's not quite that way in the movie um but there's vegetation in oh so it's like an oasis almost yeah kind of yeah which is what draws them there to begin with because paul's like oh hey if there's plants here that means the fremen have been here let's go there and hopefully they're still there basically <laughs> there's like, there's not a ton of plans one plus like, one equals two one plus one equals two yeah. <laughs> i get it yeah the, the the dude is doing his best with what he has <laughs> fucking i'm in a desert there's a big flesh tube with four teeth then i'm pretty sure are people on this planet let's go to the place with the water yeah. Basic human instinct. Yeah. Water. Yeah. Um, so when they get caught by Stilgar and Stilgar's platoon, let's say, <laughs> um, like they fight again, similar to in the movie, but it's a little more drawn out. And like Paul ends up like beaten beating the shit out of out of Jameis a little bit like he knocks him good <laughs> like that that dude can't stand <laughs> okay after and then you know um fucking Jessica like <laughs> fucking like ninja Stilgar and she's just like got a knife to his throat and Stilgar's like whoa whoa you know what let's let's all take a minute let's all calm yeah. down Wait. You're that lady's girl. We, I know you. I'm the dude with the spit. No, Jessica we, wouldn't know that. Jessica wasn't there. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it's just it's just funny. And it, in the movie too, he's like, hey, yeah, yeah, he's like, let's all take a minute here and reevaluate what we're doing. That's a nice, real pointy knife you got. Just spitballing here. Oh, we know how important that is. Oh, you don't, but just spitballing, trust me, very important. What if this lovely, what if this lovely stabbing implement was not against my neck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Jessica basically negotiates with him slash threatens because she will murder his ass like without a second thought um she like negotiates like um you're gonna take both of us um and there's really nothing there's there's we're not negotiating i'm telling you what you're gonna do (laughs) and he's like ah yes okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i see your point (laughs) i see your point you're very pointy knife. <laughs> and also, like in their in their conversation, um, you know, he says, like, oh, why didn't you say you knew the I forget the wilding ways or something? Basically, you're Benny Jesuit. Uh, but I don't think the Fremen know the word Benny Jesuit. So, like, whatever they call them. Um, and she's like, huh, you didn't ask. You just tried to kill me. <laughs> Maybe if you used your words, we wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be here now, would we? (laughs) You know, and she's like, so you're going to go ahead. The secret order of lady non-assassins are all women. 
So she's like, you're going to go ahead and tell your men. Uh, yes, I see them over there. They think they're hiding. They're not. Um, you're going to go ahead and tell them to stop advancing and drop their weapons. And oh, oh, you over there. Yeah, you you should stop moving too. And you above <laughs> me. Mm, I hear you. You're Just stop. Just stop. Mm. And Stilgar's like, well then. <laughs> So once that whole situation Don't sound like the nice cartilage full kneecap. What if there weren't? Yeah. So after that whole situation is resolved, you know, because Paul um like scrambles back up um to actually where Stilgar was originally. And this is in, again in the book, because it's nighttime, so he can hide a little bit easier. Um he like scrambles up the rock and Chani. Um, which I again I don't know how to properly say her name, but I'm going to say Chani. Um is is also up there and that she's that's, the one played by Vendaya, right? Yes. Okay. Who um I don't know if like they wrote her character really shitty or what. I'm gonna hold out some hope for the second part for her before I make a final judgment on. Zendaya and her portrayal of Chani. Um, I think that's just the Zendaya-ness of it all. Like it, that could be too. Like Zendaya is very much a person whose like personhood has been stripped away from her because her celebrity had like gotten away from like her and like. A Jennifer Anderson hasn't like pulled her aside of the Oscars, be like, "Hey, hon, here's how you reel that shit back in. Have fun." Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so she's up there with him, and that's when they first meet. And much like in the movie, like she is the girl that Paul has been seeing in his dreams constantly. Um, okay. So and and she says similar stuff to in the movie. Basically, it's like. Only she like she's a lot more like fun so far in the book because she's very like roasty. <laughs> like she's like, huh, you should really uh work on that because I could hear you way the hell over there. Like <laughs> she's just like oh it's almost like you're a, it's almost like you're a pansy ass little white boy. <laughs> so that's why again Mommy I'm like daddy gave him everything. Well, I mean, he can hold his own. It's not like... Yeah, they make that clear in the movie, but yeah. like... Um, so anyway, so yeah, so once the whole situation is resolved and, you know, Stogar's like, so we're going to go ahead and take both of them with us. <laughs> uh, they seem like real nice people slash people who could stab us all tonight, don't you think? Don't you think? So... As Jessica's still holding the knife to his throat. <laughs> As you can see, they've made a very generous offer of their company permanently for as long as they would like. <laughs> oh my God. So um, after and and he calls her Saradina or something in the movie, um, which is also what he calls her in the book, um, which again, I think is their word for like sort of any Jesuit like people, things like that. Yeah. Um, 
and the the whole like prophecy thing that the Bene Gesserit like put on Arrakis where it's like you know a Bene Gesserit will have a son and that son will be the messiah for the Fremen blah 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 um that also kind of like saves Jessica once Stilgar realizes like oh you could be them <laughs> okay oh it's about this knife feel- still though if we could just move that like we're, we're good feel, we're, we're friends does feel <laughs> i don't know if it's me or the knife but i'm starting to buy it i've been given so, a couple years his moses beard could grow in i'm willing to take that chance because i don't want to have my beard extremely closely shaved so i love it I'm reimagining this to be the entire time with just a knife. <laughs> it's a really great scene. Like if you if you stick to like um reading it slash listening to it, um, it's it's a really good scene. <laughs> so they they all like leave the oh well, so Stilgar like you know calls everyone in. Paul eventually like climbs back down, <laughs> but only when Jessica says you can come down now <laughs> and then paul's like ah yes okay the danger has passed <laughs> you can come down now <laughs> damis um basically was lying like in the bushes because paul just like fucking got him good and they have to like pick him up and like carry him over <laughs> and- the entire time the like head guy's like oh Oh. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not alone in this anymore. <laughs> Solidarity, brother. <laughs> so Jameis is really angry. He's a very just he's the least chill of all the people in this platoon. He seems like it. Yeah. Um, and he's just very angry that basically Paul bested him. Um, you know, this like dumb white boy from the, from the castle, you know, beat, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, fair. So he's just like, like a bad day. yeah, so he's just like angry, like the whole trip from the basin to, um, oh, so there's a trip in between. In the movie, yeah, there's not a trip. There is not. It just all happens he, at he, once. He's just like, hey, hey. I want to carve me some white boy meat. Yeah, he's like, hey, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Let's fight. <laughs> no, there's like a whole build up to Okay. It. So they like that seemed really weird in the movie. I'm like Dude. a little bit, yeah. I think it's because again, they I think like they the the director or the writers or whatever were like, we need to get to X point. And then as they were going through, they were like, oh shit, we're running out of time to get to X point and the movie's already two hours. Uh, we'll just put it here. <laughs> what a shoehorn it is, it's fine. Any, we spend any more time on this fucking movie, we're gonna have to go full on around the world in 80 days. Nobody likes that movie. Yeah. That movie is three takes long, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm talking about, if, if you're listening to this, you're like, what do you mean around the world in 80 days? That movie was fine, it had like Jackie Chan in it, no. There's an original one from like the 70s. You you can go read that shit from the library. It is three VHS tapes 
fucking long. That's a lot. <laughs> That's longer than Titanic. That's unfortunate. <laughs> really? Bang. So they leave the basin. They get to um, this. It's, it's like uh, a big cave system. Also, if you're a child and you're like, what's a VHS tape? Go ask your parents. Yeah. Yeah, they get to this big cave system um, and they're they're like almost at the Fremen. I'm going to keep calling it city, but that's not what it's called in the in the movie slash book. I don't remember the word for it. Yeah, um, gotcha. And they're they're just not going to make it there before because like, again, you, you travel at night because yeah. it's not, you know, going to kill you outside. <laughs> so like the it's not all sandworm murdery. Well, no, there's still sandworms, but the sun is not 12 billion degrees. Off of that. Um, so they're they're not gonna make it to the city um before like the sun comes up. So like they stop in like this cave um and you know get everything situated and everything. Um and then in the book, you actually have another conversation between Jessica and Stilgar, um, which is actually like a, a really cool thing. Again, she's so much cooler in the in the book because a lot of what she does and what makes her such a badass is all through speech and like subterfuge and and things like that things that are very hard to portray in a movie especially when you're trying to make a more action-based movie um you're unless, not gonna want a unless hear me out here hear me out here what if you just made a female-led thank you for smoking in the middle of the movie. I don't know what that means, but I will take your word for it. Have you ever seen Thank You for Smoking? No. A, you should see Thank You for Smoking. It's about Aaron Ackhart, and he plays a um, big tobacco lobbyist. And just, it's like, what if a human superpower was just talking real good? And they managed to make it like compelling and interesting and fun as shit. Spoiler for this movie. Eventually he wakes up in nothing but his underwear on top of Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial covered head to toe in nicotine packages. And like that gives him pause of of basically being like, maybe I'm the evil. (laughs) But it's a a fabulous movie. But like that's, that's a way to make like someone negotiating well really fascinating that people just don't do especially with women because that would require effort and technique and things we're not interested in slash yeah don't want to spend time on yeah um so yeah so you get like a cool scene with them um and that's where she she actually learns that the fremen also have reverend mothers um so she's like oh interesting um because again she's like piecing together all of the Bene Gesserit lore that has been laced through this planet and has been sort of twisted, not in a bad way, but taken and regurgitated by the by the people of the planet and just turned it into something different. And she's trying to like piece all this stuff together so she can basically make sure that she survives. Um, and also that her like, um, unborn child like survives too and paul but paul's basically she's like paul be fine (laughs) 
look, look, Paul's fine. I saw him clock that guy. I've taught him good. He'll be fine. <laughs> so um, they're in, so they all, you know, they all, like, you sleep during the day. So um, in the cave, Paul has, like, another, like, crazy vision. Um, and in the movie, it's not portrayed to, like, the correct scale. Um, because in his visions, he keeps seeing, like, he, and he talks about it when they're in the tent, like, you know, basically like a fanatical religion that gets created um, with him at the center. Yeah, around him, yeah. They, they yeah. show that in the tent, they, yeah. They only show, like, them basically taking over, like, Caladan again, and it's like, no. Like, his visions are showing the death of nine billion with a B people that they just massacre. <laughs> they, they spread across the galaxy like a fucking brainiac plague and just murder everyone who opposes them. <laughs> that seems bad. That seems like that's why he is so like that is not going to happen that is not going to happen i cannot let that happen <laughs> that, that that seems like you went out for bread i'm going to use a very anime reference you went you went out for like bread got hit by a truck and like you woke up reincarnated but like you look over and you see an iron cross you're like oh no oh, where's my no. gun <laughs> Where's my gun? I need yeah. to immediately start this process over again. Honestly, I would rather just be dead. Can I just shoot myself? I'm afraid I'm gonna like wake up in like a soldier in the Spanish Inquisition that it's clearly not going well for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so though like the visions are are much, much darker, much grander scale. Um, and the one he has in the cave. Like, it's described as, like, he sees all these paths, um, like, just hundreds and thousands of paths that, yeah. and any which one, you know, you can go down, any minute decision um, can change everything. And he's becoming very aware of this. And so, like, everyone, you know, kind of, like, goes to sleep, rests, things like that, while they're waiting, you know, for night to come again um, so they can go to the city. And sort of part of the way through it, through the night, like, every, like Jessica wakes up because she um, she can like sense, you know, like movement and things are just kind of like very tense, very off. Um, and she kind of like curses herself a little bit because she's like, oh, I should have woken up sooner. You know, what's wrong with me? I'm sure it's definitely not because like your fucking husband just died and you just like lost everything and everything's been also, so crazy for you were just marooned in the desert. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, lived in an underground hut trauma. for some amount of time. Yeah. You lived in an underground <laughs> hut in, I'm just going to use the word space cocaine, in a hut that was filled with space cocaine air and you only found out like three days in. That meant you were breathing space cocaine for at least a couple hours. Definitely more, but at least a couple hours. It's not, like, you are in no emotional shape to be waking up 
anytime before one o'clock in the afternoon, quite frankly. So she like wakes up and she's like, oh, oh, what's happening? What? (laughs) And she like, you know, starts like putting on her, on her still suit back on and everything. And she like goes over to like where all the hubbub is happening. And Jameis is just like talking all this shit and just like yelling and, and carrying on about how, you know, like she's, you know, they like Paul and, and Jessica shouldn't be there and she's not the Sardina and um, they don't show this in the movie, but when Ewing betrays them and everything um, in the dragonfly in the like they're like ornithopters or something. Yeah, he, like the, the big metal dragonfly. Yeah. yeah, he puts a pack in Maybe they do show it. I don't remember. Um, he like you know puts a pack in the 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 cockpit. Um, so basically, like if they can get out and survive the dudes, they'll have everything they need um, to at least not instant. They, they do they do show that, but they like signify it with him taking the um the duke who he stabbed in the hallway like very unceremoniously he's like oh hey nice night we're having stab um he like takes his ring and he'll be like paul will be fine and like it's included with that pack of stuff which okay. i'm assuming also include the handy dandy survival tent for dummies they like yes. spend like a night in or whatever yeah and there's also water in yeah. the pack um yes. in the book it's like I don't know, two liters of water or something. Um, it's like a, it's a not insignificant amount of water. Um, no. Actually in the book, it's a whole thing where at one point they're running or something and that something happens in the desert um, where they lose the, the pack. Like Paul, they, they get like buried or something momentarily in sand and Paul like loses it um, because he just like his, he just drops it because he's getting fucking avalanched in sand. I mean, <laughs> and he's like... I think that they show that when um the mom, like, trips. I think that's part of what it is. Like, she's got to, like, get her shit together, literally and figuratively, and get the fuck back up and away from Jeff, the yes. awfully mouth-huggy, um, our, our awfully mouth-huggy sandworm. Yeah, so it's like a a big scene like in the in the book where like Paul's like freaking out at himself because he like lost the pack and Jessica has to be like all right we're gonna need you to take a minute <laughs> compose yourself and we're just we're gonna do what we do and we're gonna get that back but I'm gonna give you a minute <laughs> get get yourself hey, together buddy <laughs> we are successful as long as we are both breathing yeah that's um, number one. Number two, we don't get that shit back. Because if we don't, that means we won't be breathing for much longer. We will no longer be successful. And we are successful people. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really cool, like in the book, because they are they're they're very supportive of each other. Um and and you know, like when one is, you know, having a freak out in the desert, the other one's like, it's okay, calm down. <laughs> Like, this is a a thing I like because this is very uncommon for like pop culture to portray. It's like after a point, 
like the son parent relationship, especially between opposite sex, like parent and son, kind of devolve, kind of like dissolves and replaced by just like two humans who care about each other in a way that like you could people can say that like you love your partner unconditionally but the all but like if that person cheats on you you dump them your parent or like your absolute best friends on the planet are really the only people who like can do no wrong and so you would be like we'd get through the desert just fine and that's what they seem like at this point it's like a mother and son where both people are adults and they have to live yeah yeah so when they're when Jameis is you know popping off he like says oh and they're hiding this water from us and like Jessica and Paul like because they haven't been on Iraq it's very long remember and and a lot of it to them is just like yeah there's water in our pack like yes <laughs> like they just don't think of it the same way yet um although we're all wearing thin still suits we're basically been drinking our own pee for the past five weeks it's fine yeah um so Stilgar's like to jessica he's like is this true is do, do you have water and she's like yeah but i mean like if you guys you know want it like please take it like you know she's like i'm sorry like um we i just we just didn't realize you know we didn't think to be like here take share waters for everyone um and stilgar after she you know says that he understands he's like oh okay (laughs) but fucking james she had a very nice white lady in the ghetto reaction (laughs) and and kill and kilgar is his name right kilgar what you said it's very much like the black guy who's like, oh, my sweet summer child. Okay, this doesn't need to be a thing. We don't need to pull a whole fucking drive-by scenario. You just, I get it. You seem like a very nice, well-intentioned white lady. You could have told us about the water. Yeah. Now we know for next time. And the other guy- And I mean, honestly, when did they have time to tell about the water? <laughs> when immediately, like, they got attacked <laughs> as soon as like the Fremen saw them. <laughs> Jessica had to negotiate for herself <laughs> with a knife. Still going it's probably off. like it's like, oh yeah. That is the advantage of using your words. If I started this out properly, it says it says on the information pamphlet. Second question. First question. Are you dangerous? Second question. Do you have water? I skipped straight. I assumed danger from the first question mm-hmm. and skipped to and flipped over the pamphlet. <laughs> Section B. <laughs> I skipped right to murder them. Got it. That was, you know, we both fucked up here. <laughs> We both made mistakes. I'm starting to see where mistakes are made (laughs) and that the bureaucracy of the Fremen exists for a purpose. (laughs) When you follow the rules, everybody knows about the water and shit like this doesn't happen. But now we're going to have to kill Bob. (laughs) 
so, yeah, so, so Jameis so Jameis is still just like popping off and you know ah she he like challenges her and she because she's you know an amazing badass bitch is like all right motherfucker let's throw down <laughs> so in the movie it's like in the movie there's no physical force exchange between Jessica and um and Skilgar. Yeah, close enough. It's fine. It's fine. It it it's not the worst thing I mispronounced. It's I promise you. Um she basically verbally smacks him around. And that's where Jameis is like, but 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 the pylon, say and then he basically screams at top of like Andy Kai and everybody, everybody else, including the girl, is just like face palms. It's like, ah, oh, goddamn, he said it. If he hadn't said it, we wouldn't have to do it. Yeah, but now that all he said it, go. but now that he said the thing, we have to. Now it's a whole thing. Now. Now we gotta just keep sitting here now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we all wear body cams, fucking asshole. Now that you said the thing, if we don't do it, we're gonna be fined 500 shekels apiece when we get home. Now we have to fight to the death. Are you fucking happy? <laughs> yeah, basically. That's really what so, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, honestly. So... Like Jessica tries to like you know talk her w- their way you know out of it and everything and and she can't. I think eventually like um, they they basically like silence her and if they then they're like if you say anything else like we're just gonna kill Paul and she's like well then <laughs> if that's how it is look. Joe in the back, Joe only has 500 shekels. He doesn't have, actually, Joe, where you at? He's like, 458 in my savings account right See? now. Yeah. Joe can't cover. We yeah. have to knife fight to, to the yeah. death. Yeah, we have to, we have to do it now. Um, or just kill Paul and say that it happened. Yeah. Either way, we need to fucking Paul Bearer body <laughs> through this desert. Or else Joe can't make his mortgage on his sand hut. <laughs> so, like, Paul is like, okay, guess I'm fighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, they actually, they don't fight in their still suits. Um, they, like, take them off for, like, easier movement and stuff. Um, it seems really dangerous from what I've heard, from what I can gather. Probably, yeah, probably. And uh, Tawny does... Just, I think Chani does still give him a knife in the in the book, um, but she's also a lot more again fun in the book. And they like her and Paul have a, like a pretty immediate like connection. And she's like, "Huh, it'd be nice if he didn't instantly die." Uh, yeah, let me let me let me tell him a little bit about Jameis and his fighting style. Um, and basically, she she says something like, "You know, he'll like feign to the right and then." switch the knife from one hand to the other so you know watch out for that um and he like favors his right side good luck (laughs) um maybe don't die that'd be cool 
I like the cutting and Jim kid. I hope you live. (laughs) Instead of in the movie where it was like, well, you're going to die. Nice knowing you. She's like, well, (laughs) two things. First, have you held the knife? And he's like, yes, I have. And two, you're going to die. Like, it's not going to go well for you. But you seem like a nice kid. Shoves him into the battle. Yeah, there's there's much more like camaraderie between the two in in the book. Like, yeah, they seem to like immediately at least enjoy each other's company. <laughs> so I mean, the fight pretty much goes the same way. Um, he he. Do they do like he never killed a man before? Yeah, I don't think he's mentally prepared. Yeah, which I mean is true. I mean, he's 15 years old. I mean, yeah, he's been trained by some of the greatest fighters in like the the known universe, but that doesn't like mentally prepare you to like stab someone. I mean, yes, fair. That is fair. Like if if you if you even me at 15, I'd be like, do I really want to stab this fucker? Do I just want to like Achilles tendon him and just like let him just like sit there yeah and also he was about what he's done he was taught by you know duncan and gurney like in a duel like that you know when you like have the person because you know he has like the knife at like james's throat and he's like do you yield because that's what he was taught to do so i mean (laughs) let's be honest here you can count on two characters to be good people if the character's named Duncan and Gurney. <laughs> that might well just be like your training instructors for karate were Bert and Ernie. <laughs> like, Come on, Bert. You gotta make sure that they don't kick too hard, Bert. Don't wanna crack somebody else's ribs, Bert. Yeah, and Jessica's also like freaking out at the time too because like he's always like fought with like the shields and stuff. And she's like, oh my okay, god. I want, I, I want, I want some explanation of the shields because I have I have two sets of shields in my head, and one's the shield from Foundation, and one's the shield from Dune, and it all strikes me as strange. But well I mean basically it's just like a mini sort of force field that's like around you. Yeah, I just like I, I want to know why it's not foolproof. But well, and in the books, it it does seem like a lot stronger than in the in the movie, because um, it seemed really easy to get through in the movie. Like very. It seems effort. like it seems like all cruel and narc with butter knives could like yeah. get it done. Yeah. And um, in Foundation, like the like, the Emperor, the like on foundation because they want a perfect metaphor for how do you create a perfect asshole for all times they um there's a character who they call um i think they just call him emperor and it's it's a cloning process but like the clone has to be a baby and then they grow up and then like so like at all times there are three emperors there's the young emperor 
who's being raised by the actual emperor who was raised by the old emperor. And like when the old emperor wrote, when, when the old emperor, who they call Brother Dusk, dies, they release the, the new clone baby and he's Brother Dawn. And the act, person who actually governs, who's actually like the head honcho, is Brother Day. And Brother Day, and because this like endless fucking human centipede scenario has continued for millennia, only like thousands of years into the concept of the story of foundation has one showed up who might have some humanity left in his blood. Um, and, and he's like, I gotta pretend to be perfect because they find out I'm not perfect. And it, like takes his like lo- the love interest down into the creepy clone basement. He's like, they find out I'm not perfect. He like opens the wall. Like if you've ever been a Sam Goody where you like turn the posters. Mm. It's like that, but with fucking people and it's carbon copies of him. <laughs> and uh. he's like, they can just replace me. They've all got fun names, but they'll go away when they get woken up. They find out I can't see. I'm red, green, colorblind. They'll just shoot me in the night and nobody will know. <laughs> I like that moment in the story. The like love interest is like, oh, fuck. My boyfriend is fucked. I got to think about this on my ride home on the packed subway train. Um, But they have the bracelets, just like they have the bracelets in Dune, that are shields that are like, you can fucking... Get yourself off a building and the shield will stop you from dying. Yeah, I don't think the ones in Dune are that strong, but but, you think, but also the like deal with the shield is like it's force and momentum based. So like if you're like hurtling towards the ground, you about to hit the ground, it will stop you. But like if you like slowly go to touch them, you'll like make it through the shield. Ah, uh, okay. Which I'm sure is like a plot device of like someone definitely gets slow stabbed in the night at some point in this in this story. It's just you don't write that into an impenetrable force field without being like, "Hey, did anybody notice about notice the like the slow knife move? That seems useful and bad. We should get we should get on that. Don't worry about it. It's a fail safe." Yeah. With that red, blue, colorblind one. Yeah. <laughs> we figured it out. Um, yeah. yeah. So like the then the fight goes like the same. Paul wins. Um and and Jameis is very surprised. <laughs> He's like, oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, I fucked up. I fuck I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and the the screen pauses and it goes to black and white, and you hear Morgan Freeman and go. It was at that moment when he knew he fucked up. <laughs> but like the other thing is, and I'm not saying I like want to see a man die on screen, but I think the end of the movie would have been more effective if like you saw Paul kill a man because it's like a smash cut to the dude's body mummified in like a thing and they're like hoofing him across the desert. Like, why? What, what, what? That was the point. 
if I knew about the spice orgy, that was the point where I'm like, oh, we ain't getting spice orgy because you aren't planning on showing that. You could have wide shot that and like it was just like knife to the neck. Not much, not nothing as bad as anywhere near that with what within Game of Thrones. We don't need to be like that one guy who got castrated, I think, on screen. We don't need to do that. We could have made it a wide shot. It could have been palatable, but they didn't even do that. I don't know. I, I don't remember <clears throat> what was really shown in that part. I was just like, oh, interesting. They, they literally they, they cut to the dude dead in a bag. Well, they, they definitely show them like wrapping him because Paul looks at like the, the body because um, they got to take his water. They got to extract the water from the body. Which seems real creepy to do. Especially not when, when like, you're a desert people where it never rains. <laughs> also, Jamish seemed like he was the asshole who like everybody like quietly agreed, like if he ever dies, we're gonna suck that water out of him with straws, right? <laughs> he definitely like is like he's tried to challenge Stilgar before. Um and and Stilgar is just like, nah, nah. Nah, bud. Like, I think, like, he even, like, says to Jessica when they're having their conversation, he's just like, yeah, the next time he challenges me, I'm just going to have to kill him. <laughs> it's like, he's becoming a problem. He just has to die now. <laughs> the Fremen are, the Fremen are, are, are very no-nonsense people because they don't have time for nonsense. They're, the desert is trying to kill them at all times. Like, who is the guy who was a traitor in the Matrix movie, in the first Matrix movie? Isn't that like Joe Pesci's character? Like, like, like the, the, the actor played Joe Pesci, who like wanted to be put back to sleep so he could taste the steak and it feel normal again. Um, that's who James feels like. He feels like the one who was always and is always the problem. Yeah, James, James, he was just a little too big for his britches and he didn't. Sometimes he just didn't want to, you know, play nice with others and he was just going to be a problem and now he's dead. <laughs> he brought it upon himself. Then <laughs> it would have been better if Van Dyke's character showed up with like a big silly straw like, we doing this? We all agreed I bought my straw. <laughs> it's just like a big crazy straw. With all the loopy loops. used to get a kid friendly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Has the word life straw on it because in this universe, life straw, <laughs> it was like the beginning of the of whatever this culture is called. Like they made like a tactical merge at some point. <sighs> yeah, and then at the end of that scene in the book, that's when uh Paul gets his new Fremen name. Oh, yeah, they didn't give him one in the movie. No, which I thought when they did the Jameis scene, I thought, like, that's how it was going to end. Um, it was going to end with, like, everyone, like, crowding around him or whatever, and then him, like, picking his new name. Um, but they didn't, and I was kind of disappointed that they didn't just... I'm like, at this point, just add another 10 minutes. It's fine. Yeah, like, we're already... We're already over acceptable limits. Just another 10 minutes for, like, him to say the name. And for them to be like, welcome, swimming bird. And then just 
cut to black. Yeah, like I feel like that would have been a more like impactful ending than, you know, them trekking across the desert again and the cheesy sort of like, it's only the beginning. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up, Johnny. The- Every review of this movie was like, listen, this, mo- this movie is beautiful. This movie is like dripping in fucking money. Jason Momoa is the like high comedy highlight of this movie. <laughs> like they, they all like praised it and then they were immediately like, last paragraph was like, but AT&T smells fucking money in the air. They want a franchise if it kills them. And that's why this movie was cut at that point and no more. I mean, if it gets me more Dune in theaters, I'm fine with it. Whatever. I, I'm not saying that that's not that like that's not fine. But what I'm saying is is like all the other movies that were like made like part one, part two, the like big popular movies, like I said at the beginning of this were all filmed at once and like somebody realistically sat down with like okay motherfucker we can't even twilight was like we can't put nine hours of vampire sparkling on screen nobody will buy it and people really into these movies because when those movies were coming out they were like ultra popular thanks no, to the I'm, Games. I'm aware i remember <laughs> you remember when we Stole that one off the internet. We watched that man shake his ass in the background because he thought he was out of camera spray. That was the only palatable part of that movie. That was the only palatable part of that movie. And that night we did a double feature and the better movie was the live action Dragon Ball movie. Yes. (laughs) Which should say somebody something to everybody listening to this. Um, But like because they had the the totality of the story that they wanted to tell out of whatever they shot that whatever amount they shot, they were able to more easily see probably, okay, this naturally cuts here, and, it, and that also happens to be the amount of time we can hold somebody's attention span without them going insane or falling asleep. <laughs> And because they they're shooting these one at a time, apparently, you can feel that in the production of it. Like it, a better movie is written to get to the Fremen name and not to the trek across the desert. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of get why they, you know, wouldn't just film three movies or whatever because you don't know how the first one's going to do and then you just wasted god-awful amounts of money filming this fucking movie. Have you met AT&T? They're a phone company. Their company bird is wasting money. <laughs> well, they, they've branched out, essentially. They, yeah, I know. service barely still. works, I mean. <laughs> What made you think you were going to be good at TV? You can't even get a text message through. Yeah. Um, but I like, like I was saying, like, I understand why 
you know, because I mean, like, I didn't know what Doom was until like two years ago. I mean, <laughs> I vague, I think I've watched the 80s movie like once. I could not tell you anything about it. I don't remember any of it. So it didn't stick enough for me to be like, ah, yes, I want to know more about Dune. No, I know about Dune because I fucking follow Comic Book Girl 19 and she has a Dune book club. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And I was like, what the fuck is Dune? <laughs> and then as like, when the, the movie first got announced, I was like, Oh, I would like to know more about this Dune thing. And then just this past, you know, six months ago, I was like, maybe I should read the book. I went through a period where I tried to convince my I went through a period toward the run-up towards the shitstorm that would be Cyberpunk 2077 releasing. Where I thought. I would probably do well to give myself like an all-round primer for cyberpunk sci-fi stuff. And I downloaded um, I think I downloaded Neuromancer something else and Dune. And that was like a full year ago. And I was like it's I funny, should listen to Dune is definitely not cyberpunk. It's barely sci-fi. But but like it, it's barely sci-fi, but it's like something that's quoted in like low I mean, fantasy. I, I know sci-fi. it's like and it's labeled as like, you know, the greatest sci-fi novel ever written, but to me it's not really sci-fi. Like Honestly. yeah, it's it's like it's like a adventure. It's like a space it's like a space adventure kind of thing. And I was just like, anyway, it goes off in a crazy town after the first book, but oh, I'm sure. Um, but like, and then I proceeded to, as you do sometimes, especially as I do sometimes, listen to none of those. Actually, I proceeded to try and listen to Neuromancer, get pissed off. It's like the this book is an important piece of fiction in the world. Horseshit! It goes on for like. An hour and a half before they get to the book. Ew. Right? I don't even think Dune has an introduction like that. It just fucking starts. <laughs> it's, um, it's what's-his-face. The guy who wrote um, A Dream of Electric Sheep. What, like Philip K. Oh. Dick? It's a Philip K. Dick book. And, like, people all the way up Philip K. Dick's ass for, like, when he was just writing good sci-fi at the time when he was writing. It was not like he, he didn't, he was not that well regarded until after the totality of his work kind of like showed through. And so now people are like, Philip K. Dick was born in the year, or you don't care, and you're already asleep. <laughs> you're right. I don't care. If I wanted to know when he was born, I'd fucking look it up on Wikipedia. I was going to say, that sounds like a Wikipedia problem. And like, also, I started listening to Snow Crash just in time for Facebook to change its name to fucking Meta and me to raise the gun to my temple and press a little bit and wonder if today is the day. Um, do what I do to stop using Facebook. Oh, I don't use Although Facebook. Although I do have Instagram. So like, we all use Facebook, Instagram, but... and it took, it, I will say, it took a solid five years of people just shaking millennials and being like, 
Instagram is still Facebook, idiot. For us to be like, oh, it's probably a problem, right? Oh, well, fun cat photos. I'm getting tired. Um, but yeah. like, motherfuckers don't argue about politics on my Instagram, so. <laughs> this is true. We've managed to keep the old largely off Instagram in a way. I will say I have one Trumpy guy who, to be fair, I thought was too young to be this fucked up, but he is like posts pictures from that app napkin, which is just like gives you a picture of a napkin that you write usually alt-right shit on. He tried to blame the um people who've been jumping off of the vessel and killing themselves in the middle of the vessel in New York on the people who killed themselves and not like the ultra the ultra rich assholes who like made a suicide bowl in the middle of the city. <laughs> Thinking like, oh yeah, this seems safe. Um, but like I that pissed me off and also there's a lot of like in media red shit that happens in sci-fi books that like make it hard for you to make you have to play catch up and put together the puzzle backwards real quick before you can so as far as I can tell the begin as far as I've gotten the beginning of snow crash involves pizza delivery in the fucking future. When you hear about that book, they don't mention the fact that you are dropped into the life of a man who delivers pizzas for a living. Only he carries samurai swords because every once in a while, teenagers on space bikes try to steal his pizza. Oh my. It's It's wild attempting to read sci-fi oftentimes. Especially cyberpunk sci-fi because like they're trying to get you to a place but they have very interesting ideas of how to get you to that place. I like Dune because Dune like they were like fuck technology. That's just it's very humanist. I mean it it is humanist but. Dune is very humanist and Dune and this is the thing that ticked me off about them not including that like scene at the very beginning of the book where they were like, hey, like we hate these guys and I would have killed them eventually, but now the big guy told me to do it, so I might as well. <coughs> um, because that gives context to the whole scenario that starts the book, that starts the story off proper. And also you get the fun piece of shit drug addict, drug addict, drug addled like advisor who's clearly out for his own bullshit. Um, but yeah, I like this was sitting in my Audible library for like a full on year before I was like, hey, that's a thing that's coming out. I might want to see that. I should probably start listening to this now. So I have any context. Um, but yeah, we are not like 
we we have not like read Dune when it first came came out like crazy people. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have been alive. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I would like. Let me put it this way. I was so new to the world that I could still use both hands when Ghost in the Shell premiered in theaters. Which, fun fact, that movie premiered simultaneously in America and Japan. Which is very uncommon. At that time, at least. Um, But yeah, so... Uh, any more thoughts? Um, if you want to really hate yourself, you can watch the Dune sci-fi miniseries. No, thanks. I'll stay in my beautiful moment of bliss with the only sci-fi miniseries I have, with the only sci-fi channel series that I've seen all of is Eureka, and I will keep it that way. That's not a mini series. That's like a six season show. I said a sci fi series. Like I, I, I corrected myself halfway through there. But that, that's the only sci fi series I've ever watched because every time I've either heard or seen even a, like a frame from another series, it's like, oh, the reason why Eureka has lasted six seasons was because they actually spent money on it. There's, there's some good shit that's come off of sci fi. Um, the, the Dune miniseries is it has problems, but I gets an A plus for effort. They oh they really God. put a that's lot of time like, into it. That's like you like are holding your child and your child is just like I love you, mom. You get you get an A plus for effort. Fucking yeet him into the river. Um, there's a lot of interesting hats in that in that show. That's Maybe. never promising. Interesting hats. It's to stand out at the hats. They're compensating for something with the hats. I have to imagine. Probably, um, <laughs> and also um, when Duncan Idaho like dies, he is. I swear to God, he's dressed as like fucking Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Like, he has like a green cloak that like ties at the neck. He's wearing like these brown pants and like a brown vest and like a white shirt. And I'm like, are you fucking cosplaying as Frodo right now? Like, what the fuck is happening? Bud, I know you're being stabbed, but you can't ask me to take this seriously. Oh no, he doesn't get stabbed. He gets um blown up. They um so like Paul and Jessica like get into the ornith- ornithopter to like go fly off into the storm. And then a fucking Harkonnen patrol ship just like throws a bomb at the <laughs> at the place where they are. So like Jessica and Paul get away and then everyone else just gets blown up. <laughs> and it's Why? like, oh, okay. Because they only had 20 bucks left for that scene. Apparently, the they had like a $20 million budget um, for the three parts for the, the miniseries. Each part's like an hour and a half. 
Lauren, I need you to know that that weirdo Seth Rogen movie, This is the End, cost $5 million. $20 million is not a lot of money. It's more than $5 million. It's more than $5 million, yeah. But like, <laughs> That's a, that was a really terrible comparison. <laughs> I, I, but what, I, what I'm saying is like, everybody's like, I had $20 million. Don't think you know how much even the insurance costs for like the pyrotechnics team. But um, I'm not saying you, I'm saying like a viewer would be like, ooh, $20 million. Yeah, no. It's in 2000 money. Oh, so we're left because it was all fucked up. Okay. And it has hilariously bad green screen. And it's like, <laughs> uh, that would have been cool, like, you know, 20 years ago. But today it's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I can see the outline. <laughs> it, switches, it's, it switches to the screensaver. <laughs> For like five seconds, it's like a picture of Hawaii. And you just feel like Duncan Idaho dressed as Frodo. <laughs> And a backdrop of like a bad Hawaii screensaver you could hear because they forgot to edit it out. Somebody be like, somebody jiggle the mouse. It's definitely not that bad. I, um, it's, it's, got, it's got some cool stuff in it. Um, like I said, they put like a lot of like very well thought out time and, and effort into it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not bad for what it is. It definitely still misses the mark on some story stuff. And again, they sh- are shoving two books into it, but yeah, whatever. Like, what's he gonna do? Which I'm like, how are they shoving? So I'm like, are they gonna like do the entire second book in like the third part? Because literally the first part, it's a three-part miniseries. The first part literally ended. <laughs> At basically the same place the movie does. Love it. Actually, a little before, um, because like they're in the sandstorm and they come out of the sandstorm, so they don't even find the Fremen yet. And then it ends, and I was like, "Huh, interesting." <laughs> you hate to see it, but even more than that, you love to see it. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm like, is that the ending of, like, the first part of the book? I kind of wish I knew for sure. Maybe I should just go back and listen to that chapter. Look, the best book-to-movie experience I, as a human, have ever, ever experienced was actually at my cousin experience at the same time, because we went to go see this movie in the theater together, because in New Jersey, one of the books you read, everyone fucking reads this book. It's a book called Holes. Have you read this? I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie. The movie is a carbon copy of the book. That's like cool. line for line in a way that like we went in there and we're like, there's no way they're gonna pull this off. We're like, we're curious as shit though. And we came out of there and we're like, that was just that book. That's kind of incredible. But why didn't everybody just do that shit? It'd be so much easier. 
And I know that um, it can't, like, you can't do that because shit's too long. I get it. But a little bit close to that last time would be good. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, the new Dune movie, like, it, it did its best. I it mean, do it best. for everything that it had to do while still making investors happy, making it accessible to mainstream audiences, you know, it, they, they boiled down the story the best they could to make it palatable and, and easy to understand. They took out a lot of like the, the subplots. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's a good movie. Like I enjoyed the movie. I kind of want to go see it in IMAX. I can see that, yeah. Can you imagine the bagpipe scene in IMAX? It's going to be fucking great. <laughs> can we pause for a second? I'm just like, a new Imperial Space Lord bagpipe. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? It was, it was super silly the first like five seconds and then like the rest of the score came in and I was like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, Could go one of two ways. <laughs> you better hope it doesn't go the full-on bagpipe, no backing score way. Yeah. When I was watching um Danica's like Dune review, um, she also mentioned the bagpipes. <laughs> and she said the same thing. She was like, Oh dear God, there's bagpipes. <laughs> Don't house Atreides, do not subject these people to bagpipes. But then, you know, like it, like she said, and, and like I said, like the rest of like the musical score comes up behind it and it becomes this very like super cool scene um and she was also saying she had seen like hans zimmer zimmerman is that the the composer guy um yeah his daughter currently has like bagpipe ptsd oh god oh god he's he's you know working on the music and everything like in their home Cause you know, fucking COVID and shit. Just like she's just sitting there, wakes up, just fuck, goddamn. Um, so a fun, a fun movie story. Have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? No. A fun shit movie. It's like it's like zany Leonardo DiCaprio at his zany zaniest, and it's very fun. Henry um, from last podcast on the left is in it. Who is he? I don't know. I just know he's in it. Okay, I, I, I'm like I'm sure if I remember, knew what he, knew what he would knew what he looked like, I would probably be like, oh, that guy. Okay, cool. But um, freaking, there's a scene where like it's like a th- like a throwaway scene where um. Jonah Hill and Leonardo DiCaprio are eating sushi. I forget what Jonah Hill did as like an off-screen joke to Leonardo DiCaprio, but Leonardo DiCaprio intentionally fucked up his line so many times until Jonah Hill ate enough sushi where he literally puked. 
like, I'm, I'm sure he like cleared it with Martin Scorsese and like he said the concept to Martin and Martin was like absolutely I want to see that I want to see that little shit puke too let's do it the fucked up <laughs> um, but I just I, and also the, my favorite tidbit about the Ocean's movie is that Brad Pitt gained 20 pounds filming those movies because in every scene of Ocean's Eleven when they open up the scene, he's introduced eating a different thing. It's always junk food. So like he just gained 20 pounds for no reason. Um, but I just I thought the sushi thing was hilarious. That is funny. And terrible. Oh, like I'm sure a certain brand of movie star do that to each other all the time. Oh, uh, like I, I'm sure at some point. It's gonna come out that like Jason Momoa and Timothy Chalamet were like fucking with each other or something. I could see that. Um, like Jason, like like Jason Momoa, like duct taped his beard back together in the form that it was, and like left it until Timothy Chalamet's like trailer or something. Um, but yeah. So I guess that's Dune. We're now a Dune podcast, not really, but <laughs> but we could be. You know, we could be. Um, it's gonna so- be my my side project in another year after I've read all the books. I get a text message, and you're gonna be like, "So do you want to do Dune podcast?" And just I'm just gonna be like, "Yes." Oh God! I've signed up for a third podcast. What happened? Yeah, I mean that's that's on you. I need you to like tell me no. I need you to like create the boundaries. Come on, man. <laughs> I have no. I'm like I run on impulse. That's why I make such terrible decisions. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> um, certainly not because of my undiagnosed ADHD. Or do you like? So I said this to my friend Ollie one day. I went like, "Yeah, Ollie, I'm, I'm the same age as you, dude. Haven't you noticed the soulless holes that are my eyes that are the same across every millennial? Like you look at every millennial long enough and you see the sadness. He's like, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." That's just all of us. Like, like everybody who is like who can be classified as a millennial has like a nihilistic sadness that is in some way informing the way we go through the world. I mean, I'm sure there's a large number that are, you know, made good choices and are living happy, fulfilling lives. Just most of us don't didn't seem to do that. We made bad choices. Bad choices. I'm not gonna say that we made bad choices. I'm gonna say that bad choices were made before us, and we made whatever choices we made to cope with the with the reverberating fucked up consequences of those choices. Like, did I choose? To graduate into a global recession in which the housing market had crashed and fucked up everything else. No. 
Did I choose to be in my prime earning year as the entire concept of entry level job just <laughs> fucks off a cliff? <laughs> and with people's idea of entry level job will like, oh wait, you haven't been doing this for three years? No employment for you. So I had yeah, to go I mean, those those millennials that are happy, I don't know what they're doing or how they got there, but <laughs> I'm glad that they're happy and living successful, fulfilling lives. I'm gonna put it. I'm glad way. they made it. A fair number of the people I went to high school with who were of my age, a year younger because I was held back because um, someone decided I didn't read so good when really it was just the education system sucks. Um, that was also a fun thing we had to deal with. Um, a fair number of the people I went to school with were doing the exact same thing their parents did because their parents could give them a recommendation. And I am just so lucky that my parent, to this day, was an art weirdo. And there's no hedge fund that's like, hey, we take art weirdos seriously here. You should recommend us your kid. I'm sure he draws real good. We'll come to some sell mortgage-backed derivatives to idiots. Nope, doesn't work that way. Yeah, um, uh, My mom was a, just your stay-at-home mom for a large part of my, my childhood. You know, as, as people are allowed to be, and, and you know, that, that's fine. Um, and then my dad ran manufacturing production lines. And, you know, there's like, what, five factories left in the fucking United States. Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm going to say this, and you're going to know instantly who I'm talking about. You had a roommate, and I had a girlfriend in college whose mother was an actual reptile trainer. I, you know, reptiles need to be trained, I guess. But does that secure financial stability for you to survive i'm not quite sure it does unfortunately no and i, mean, I knew I, I imagine if you were like living in i don't know california with like hollywood you know movies and stuff maybe except that that scenario was fucked up by the fact that they lived in delaware and i'm warmed by the fact that she already hates me. I don't need to worry about if she hears this. But she will also be that motherfucker. I'm like, ah, it's fine. The second we stopped dating, we were like, why didn't you vanish into the ether? Because she didn't logic it through. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm roommates with his best friend. Um, on that note, we should probably cut it off here yeah because i think my cat is trying to get into my room oh okay yeah that's yeah that's generally a problem yeah your cat did not like to be denied no i no. think that's the basic principle like he just wants to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants to do yes that is correct um so it sounds like that's it for us because i have to go deal with my cat 
Um, and Alex has to go deal with his continuing existential crisis. Ah, oh, you know me. It's always there. Always there. Just, 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 just in the back of my brain. Yep. You know the scene from Avenger where he goes, the secret is I'm always angry. That's just me. Um, but yeah. I had to let him in. He was freaking out. <laughs> I am being denied. I am being losing. minorly inconvenienced. He was losing his shit, man. Holy crap. Um, I opened yeah. the door and even the dog was standing there like, bro, calm down. <laughs> um, so you want to take that one? Well, that is it for us. Uh, next episode um, will either be us talking about random shit or back to, excuse me, now I'm dying, um, or back to X-Men. Probably back to X-Men. I don't know. I have to check because we're assuming I keep a calendar of the shit. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't do that. So <laughs> we should Once again, probably... we would have had a Halloween episode. <laughs> We should the next episode that goes out should probably be about X-Men so we can find out if Wolverine gets rescued and Nightcrawler because they got kidnapped. Uh, so yeah, that's it for us. We will see you next time. Goodbye. See you all.